Thank you for listening to this presentation hosted by the Durham University Center for Catholic Studies, a center for Catholic theology in the Public Academy. For more information, visit centerforcatholicstudies.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at CCSDHAM. The following lecture was presented in November 2019 at a conference on the Franciscan legacy, a conference hosted by the Center for Catholic Studies and sponsored by the Franciscan families of the UK and Ireland. This lecture by Jacques Talarun is entitled The Franciscan Questions, From the Texts to the Manuscripts. Some years ago, I had to report on a new edition of the major mirror of perfection. As I read through the list of the 26 manuscripts on which the edition was based, I realized that two-thirds of them also transmitted the legend of the few companions edited some 30 years before. By comparing the two editors' Stemata Codicum, I could be sure that these two legends had traveled through the century as a single textual file. And no one of the two editors realized that. The legend of the Free Companions and the Major Mirror of Perfection take us back to the origins of the Franciscan questions. In 1894, when he published his life of St. Francis of Assisi, Paul Sabatier claimed that the official legend presented a watered-down version of the Poverello, whose historical truth was better sought from his closest companions, especially in the legend of the Free Companions. But this text portrayed the saint who was very submissive to the Roman Church and Sabbatius' hypothesis. The legend of the free companions would have been censored by cutting its most disturbing elements. Four years later, Sabbatius published The Major Mirror of Perfection, which he believed predated Francis's canonization, written by Brother Leo, and containing the passages eliminated from the legend of the Free Companions. We now know that the Mirror of Perfection was written very much later, but the opposition between the official legends and the testimonies of the companions has long left its marks on scholars' minds. Today, the Franciscan question, in the technical sense, has been broadly resolved by approaches that combine philology and history. So, what answer can we give to the question underlying this session of our international conference, the future of Franciscan studies. In the wake of Sabatier, the main part of the research on Francis of Assisi 
consisted on discovering, editing, contextualizing texts, and determining their interrelationships. Most of the research has therefore focused on the notion of text, whether it was Francis's biographies or his own writings. But let's return to the discovery of the mirror of perfection. In the Parisian manuscript that served as the basis of for Sabatier's edition, the mirror of perfection was linked to the legend of the three companions, and Sabatier could not, not see that. In light of such a reality, the idea that the legend of the three companions had been mutilated became absurd. Imagine a censor cutting a huge piece of its source and then transcribing scrupulously both the censored part and the mutilated text within a single volume. But rather than the conicological observation certainly made, Sabatier preferred his ideological approach. The real Francis must have been a victim of the Roman Church. I therefore propose for the future a research track that favors conicology over ideology. By conicology, we mean the study of manuscript volumes in their entirety. Not only the texts they transmit, but also their materials, format, layout, writing, level of care, ornamentation, binding, cost, circulation, preservation, and so on. Philology, the study of texts, and conicology the study of manuscripts, are totally complementary and both can contribute to shedding light on the Franciscan question. As, this, as for the study of texts, I never believed that the time for the discovery of Franciscan legends was over. And in 2015, the reappearance of the rediscovered life of Thomas Archelano reinforced my deep conviction. Where can we find new Franciscan legends? And, and I speak above all for young people, I will not make another discovery. discovery. It, it's for the youth. First and foremost, in the Braggarts, in the readings of matins of the offices dedicated to St. Francis. Some of the manuscript collections are not catalogued at all, or are not adequately catalogued. But in any case, it's very rare that a cataloger details the incipit of any reading from the centralized proper. So it's necessary to go and see the manuscripts, and speak with them, and listen to them. 
Franciscan as well, not Franciscan brilliance. Often we will find Bonaventure's minor legend, but not always. And that's where the research will become very exciting. Here, it's a manuscript of the Vatican Library where the reading of Francis's piece has scratch and you say graphic. Scratch, scratch, scratch. And it's very difficult to read it. When I succeeded to read them, it was the rediscovered life. So it's the order of 1226. But they didn't want to damage the manuscript. They were very subtle, very small. Almost all known Franciscan legends have been published, but not always in a systematic way. Not having a systematic edition means both not knowing in the text we are reading is the result either of a critical approach or of the publisher's preferences and not being able to follow the circulation of the text in space and time. The first line by Thomas Achelan, the legend for use of Coyote, the life of St. Francis by Julian of Spire, and the deeds of Blessed Francis and his companions do not have a thematic edition. And the same can be said for the legend of St. Clair. These legends sometimes circulate together, sometimes associated with writings of Francis, sometimes with over Franciscan texts, as well as heterogeneous ones. I call them the traveling companions of the hidden text. The consideration of the entire manuscript, and not only the text in which we are specifically interested, we must forgive, we must forget us facing the manuscript. This consideration of the entire manuscript is fundamental, because these encounters sweep away many ideological prejudices the Assisi compilation is only known by one witness, manuscript 1046 of Perugia, where it is preceded by a flood of bells and the major legend of Bonaventure. The compilation itself combined excerpts from Thomas Echelano's memorial with a mass of episodes gathered by Francis' companions in the manuscript 173 of the College of Santisidoro, a large number of Francis's writings and various texts attributed to Leo, including the so-called minor mirror of perfection, are followed by excerpts from the major legend. So it means that the distinction between official legend and testimonies of the companions is challenged by codicological reality. I do not deny that this distinction is important for clarifying the circumstances in which a given legend was written. But to believe 
that they were two hermetically opposed blocks. Thus, that they corresponded to two factions among the friars minor is a denial of reality. Before the last quarter of the 14th century, with the conflict between spirituals and the community, it's very difficult to get an idea of the currents that may have crossed the order. Anthony of Padua has often been presented as the other face of Francis Franciscanism, and it has been pointed out that he never, never mentioned Francis in his many sermons. But, thanks to the rediscovered life, we now know that the famous story of the chapter of Provence, an episode that could seem to oppose Francis and Anthony, was in fact told to Thomas of Celano by Anthony himself, who therefore did not fail to mention at least once Francis. What <laughs> Beato Antonio Conferente, sorry, Confessore Christi, Referente Cognome. First time we had this information. The first recension of the manuscripts containing Franciscan legends was published in 1967 by Sophronius Classen, but the book, unfortunately, had little impact. The Società Internazionale di Studi Franciscani, it's easier, yeah. uh, has launched a project to identify, describe, and reproduce Franciscan manuscripts, either Franciscani. But at least initially, believe me, the coordinated study of about 10 manuscripts, no more, with online reproduction and full, full transcriptions of the texts would make it possible to lay new foundations for research on the writings and life of Francis of Assisi. Great scholars have illuminated Franciscan monuments, such as Manuscript 338 of Assisi, Manuscript 1046 of Perugia, or Manuscript C4 of Upsa. The manuscript of the Bibliothèque Nationale of Paris, which contains the register of live Franciscan writing, excerpts from Anthony of Padua's sermons, and all kinds of ontology is fully accessible online, freely, almost entirely transcribed by our team, and the proceedings of the international conference we have dedicated to it are going to be published. Various manuscripts of the Collegio Santisidon still require systematic study and online publication. I take the opportunity of my presence in England to suggest a new study and a complete transcription of the former little manuscript now preserved in the Bloodlian Library. It includes the regular non-bullata and bullata, 
many commentaries of the later. A first version of the deeds of Blessed Francis, memories of the companion that served as materials for the memorial, and a second version of the deeds, different from the first one. <clears throat> to conclude, what is the benefit of following such, such research tracks? It is a question I ask to me each To know Franciscan writings and legends better is to know Francis better. The different legends are in part the product of different trends and moments in the history of the order, but at least for the oldest of them, the biographies reflect various, various facets of the complex personality of Francis himself. As Christ, he couldn't be contained in only one biography. He needed more gossip. To take into account the plurality of texts present in the same codex, it's not only to raise on a new non-ideological basis the question of the sensitivities present in the order over time, but also to give ourselves the means to better understand through the presence of non-Franciscan textus, the interactions between the Friars Minor, the whole church, and medieval society. The manuscript is a total object. It reflects a state of culture, a degree of economic development, and a multiplicity of social practices over the long term. It's enough to juxtapose on the same scale and to graph of Francis and the Bible that confirms his role to understand physically the paradox of the Franciscan experience, charism and institution. It's enough to put side by side the tiny manuscript of the rediscovered life and the exemplar of the minor legend to understand the vertiginous evolution of the order of Friars Minor in its first decades. What is a printed text? A printed text is not a forgery, but it's an abstraction. The manuscripts are the reality from which it has been abstracted. Rediscovering their physicality, I would like to say the carnality of Franciscan textus is a perspective that fits perfectly with the object of Franciscan studies. Francis, the saint par excellence of the incarnation. Thank you.